Well, most of you have seen the tragedy of houses, buildings collapsing, especially in a you know, time of uh, horrific weather or maybe an earthquake. And uh, we've seen it even happen in New Zealand, haven't we? Buildings just devastated and the loss of lives. And one of the reasons this happens is because sometimes the, the foundations are not strong enough to sustain the pressure that comes from a storm or an earthquake, or maybe even the foundations that have been built have been faulty. And uh, so the consequences can be devastating. It's no problem for those buildings while the, while the foundations are under no pressure, are no, under no stress. And so if the weather's good and there's no earthquakes, you know, maybe for 100 years, no one will ever know that there was anything wrong with that building and the foundation. But when the pressure comes, everything's revealed and the whole thing collapses. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, you are God's building. You God's field, but you're also God's building. So we are also buildings. So I want to suggest that it's also important that the foundations of our building, our Christian faith, are strong so that when the pressure comes or an earthquake strikes or a storm hits your home or your individual life, you are able to stand strong. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, well, how can I have a strong foundation? Pastor, help me. What do I need to do? Because I don't want to collapse under pressure. Well, to have a strong foundation in our Christian faith actually comes down to one very simple word as a significant part. It's not the only foundation, but it's a significant part of the foundation we need in our lives. It's one of the most important words found in all of Scripture. Some call it the first word of the gospel. And so they come from the lips of Jesus himself at the very beginning of his ministry. Some say his first words. And he says in Mark 1, 14 to 15, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Everyone say, repent. Stay with me and listen, and I want to share with you why this word repentance is such an important word. Now, please don't switch off because you may have thought, I don't want to hear a message about repentance. In fact, I'm about to start planning my lunch right now while you finish your service or either that or else I'm going to check my iPhone or my iPad, which you really should not do in church because it's not honoring to the speaker or is, nor is it honoring to God. All right, I thought I'd just throw that in for good measure. But it's an important word, so please don't tune out, because the first call for entry to enter the kingdom of God, the first word is repent. Repentance is a way in to the kingdom of God. And it says, repent and believe. See, it says, the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Which one comes first? Repentance or believing? Repentance. Some people don't have a strong faith in God because they've never truly understood what it means to repent. Yeah, they say, I believe in God, I trust in God, but their faith is not strong because it says, repent, then comes the believing, then comes the faith. That's a trigger that releases great faith in our lives so that when the pressure comes, our faith can stand. Many people struggle, who struggle with their faith, 
have actually never really repented. So I want to really explore that with you this morning. Do you know that repentance is one of the foundations, foundation doctrines of the faith? Go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. If you've never looked at this very closely, because it's really interesting, it's, this is the whole foundation upon which we build our faith. Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. It's the first one. Then it goes on about faith, doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. That is the number one foundation principle, if you like, of the Christian faith. And yet so many have little understanding of what it really means. One of the problems with foundations in your life and mine is that we can't see foundations like this building. You don't know how good the foundations are. I, I know because we paid a lot of money to get it done right. But no, so I can look across this whole crowd. I have no idea what your foundations are like. No idea what your Christian foundation is like, how strong it is. But I'll tell you what, when pressure comes on, I'll know. I'll know when people start getting slack, getting to church, Miss church, you know, go under a trial. They start to question God's goodness and, you know, maybe fade away from their faith, maybe backslide. Yeah, the pressure will reveal the strength of the building and its foundations. I want to say to you today, a person who has truly repented will never backslide away from God. It, they just won't do it because they understand what repentance really means. It's a foundation that holds us together. And in the midst of every storm, that's why it's important to do the foundations class that we run in this church for 10 weeks on end once a person's saved. Or if you've never done it, I encourage you, get in there and do it. Get some foundations in your faith. Because the thing is, you won't know if your foundations are faulty until pressure really hits you. Yeah. Then it's discovered, but by then it could be too late. So let's have a look at definition. Are you all right this morning? Yeah. All right, definition. The Greek word is metaneo means a decision that leads to a change of mind and then action. It's a decision followed by action. A person is going in one direction. They repent. They turn around 180 degrees and go in an opposite direction. That's repentance. The problem is some people, yep, they're going in this direction. They repent they turn around and go in this direction, but two months later, they turn around again and they're going back in the same direction. That's not repentance. Repentance is a permanent change of going in a new direction. And repentance may or may not have deep emotions involved. You may cry, you may break down, you may have deep conviction, or you may not. There may be very little emotion involved. I wasn't that emotional when I got saved. The emphasis of the New Testament is a decision of the heart and the mind, you know, to, to go in a different direction. And a lot of people do have different emotions. Some people do feel a conviction of sin. Some people feel the love of God. Some people feel their, their need from God. For me, I just found, I just realized, I discovered the truth. To me, life suddenly made sense. I live on earth for God, then I go to heaven, get my rewards. And it's all, that all made perfect sense to me. That was my introduction into Christianity. So repentance can be different. But we owe a lot to the great general of the Salvation Army, William Booth, who said these words many, many years ago. Listen carefully. 
He said, he prophesied the greatest danger of the 20th century church would be Christianity without repentance. Isn't that amazing? Prophesied decades ago. He went on to say, then Christianity without lordship. I was, I'm a Christian, but God doesn't really run my life. And then ultimately, Christianity without Christ. I've heard it said many times, when revival strikes, you are going to be shocked at who gets saved. Those who are raising their hands, those who are on their knees, some of them never been born again. We will be amazed. We can all name the name of Christ. That's not hard to do. And the result of that, those truths would mean that we'd end up with a weak and a powerless church, which we see, I believe, in many, many places today. If you take time to read through the book of Revelation, the message to the seven churches, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, messages to the seven churches. Did you know that to five of the seven churches, virtually the first word was repent? Isn't that amazing? Five of the seven churches, repent, get your house in order, get your life in order, get yourself sorted out, or I'll remove the candlestick and all these threats of different kinds of judgment came in. So friends, Repentance goes right through, right through scriptures, right through into the book of Revelation. And that same word is needed for the church of Jesus Christ today all around the globe, I believe. Derek Prince says this, that great teacher. He said he counseled so many people over many, many years. But he concluded that in most cases, not all, but in most cases of those he counseled, he said the root problem was the same, a lack of repentance. He said if they had truly repented, the problem would not have been the same or it would have been much more easily resolved. People think that repentance is negative. Some of you may have already tuned out. They oh, I don't want to hear anything about repentance. It's just boring. But actually, repentance brings incredible blessing. It really does. <clears throat> Jack got saved. His friend said, well, Jack, I hear you've given up all your pleasures. And he said, no. He said, I've just found my pleasures. I've given up all my follies. He understood what repentance meant. You see, for some people, they have the wrong impression about Christianity. They think it's dull, it's boring, it's a lack of fun and excitement. Well, that may be true for a, a lukewarm Christian who doesn't enjoy God or, or enjoy the world, but those who have truly repented and found Christ, Christianity is the most satisfying, exciting, fulfilling, enthralling walk on the planet. Nothing compares with a walk with God Himself. Jesus, the Son of God, living in your heart, resurrection power in you, God with you, in you, beside you. How could that ever be boring? I was out with some of my wealthy friends recently and one of them made the comment, they said, Tark, your life is so much more exciting than mine. There you go, right from their own lips. What repentance is not, Please listen carefully. There's now popular teaching that says once you're saved and have confessed your sins once, you no longer need to repent or ever confess your sins again. There's teaching out there, very popular, that your sins are now, once saved, are under the blood of Jesus. Your sins past, your sins present, your sins in the future. So you can go out and sin tomorrow, it's okay. It's under the blood. You do not need to repent. You do not need to ask forgiveness. Imagine where that leads. Some are now saying that the Lord's prayer no longer applies. It's out of date. 
Because in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us our sins. No, we don't have to pray that anymore. They say 1 John 1, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. They said, no, that's not written to Christians anymore. The Bible is now being changed and adjusted as this new message of truth is coming through. But I want us to look. So if you start hearing that kind of stuff, pluck up your ears and th- be very, very careful. It's a, it's a thin edge of the wedge. So what repentance is not? It's not simply an admission of sin. People can happily say, Lord, I'm sorry I've sinned. And go out and do the same thing the very next day. Because there's no intention to change. But Matthew 3, 8 says, Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. If a person has really repented, their behavior will have changed. It's not saying I repented. It's saying I have changed. Been transformed. Some people can sin all week and then confess their sins. And then it's cool. New teaching, you don't even have to do that now, but we'll stay, stick, stick with the old. Then the next week you sin all over again, same sins, you can go back. So, you know, some people find forgiveness easier than permission. So they go and sin knowing that, oh, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. Friends, it really doesn't work that way. Like the one guy who says, Father, for what I'm about to do, please forgive me. None of you like that here, are you? I'm sure not. Okay. So it's not just an admission of sin. Number two, it's not just conviction of sin. As I'm speaking today, all of you will feel conviction of sin in some area, unless Jesus is sitting here, but I don't recognize him. All right. So you'll feel something, unless you've attained perfection. So there's a challenge for you to hear the voice of the Spirit today. Not thinking this is for everyone else. Now tell the person next to you, this message is for you. Only the Pharisees think it's for everyone else. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I'm glad I'm not like... You know, and I fast twice a week, I pay my tithes. Hypocrisy. Pharisees. So you can feel convicted of sin. And I've felt convicted, confessed, but they're not changed. Interesting, eh? God, I know that's wrong. Lord, I'm sorry. Next day, just do the same things. I heard the story of this man. His, his, His daughter became a Christian. And she said to her grandfather, I wish you were a Christian. He said, well, when I was young, he said, I went to a crusade. And I said, he said, I felt the great conviction of God come upon me. He said, I knew I needed to be saved. But he, but he said, I, I made a, a response. I knew I should give my life to the Lord. But he said, I stood under the stars. And I said, God, if you don't bother me, I promise I will not bother you. God took him at his word and he lived a horrendous Terrible, terrible life. Lived to regret it in the end. Great came under great conviction, but then did not respond and do something about it. When God convicts you, friends, you've got to respond and do something. Because what happens the second time around, the conviction is not usually not as strong. Your conscience gets seared. Then later on, it's less strong. And then finally down here, when you're convicted, you can't even feel it. And you're probably feeling, oh, I'm doing all right. God's not convicting me. No, the conscience has been seared. And so people become less and less sensitive to conviction of sin because they've turned away from it so, so many 
times. Some people choose, some people make the mistake of thinking they can choose when to repent. Oh, well, we're not all in my good time. Well, a man was witnessing to his friend. He said, I'll come to God in my time when I'm ready. A few weeks later, he died in a car crash. You can't pick your time. When God convicts you, respond and make a change. It's important to respond, repent, change, and move forward. So repentance is more than worldly sorry, sorrow. People can be sorry for the consequences of it. Oh, sorry I did that more because of the consequences, things that are going wrong. <clears throat> They're not so much sorry for the fact that they sin, just the consequences of the sin bother them. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. See, there's no change with worldly sorrow, but godly sorrow changes things. Sunday school teacher asked, what does repentance mean? One of the boys answered and he said, it's being sorry for your sin. A little girl piped up and said, it's being sorry enough to quit. <laughs> repentance is not just a decision to do better tomorrow. We've all tried that, isn't it? New Year's resolution. Next year, you know, or tomorrow, next week, I'm no longer going to lose my call. No longer going to get impatient. I'm no longer going to speak negatively with my words. I'm no longer going to whatever it might be. Make these resolutions. We all know those resolutions do not work. It's far more than that. Yeah, that we need a repentance is a much deeper work than a New Year's resolution to do better. Now, this is a work of God in your spirit that creates a change and a transformation in your life from going in one direction to a completely opposite direction, going in the way of God. Number five, it's not becoming religious. Some people think repentance, oh, well, I'll go to church more. I'll pray more, I'll give my tithes, I'll serve in the church, I'll, you know, I'll not live a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do all the right things. But they can be like that, friends, uh, uh, be more religious, but still be just as worldly as before. You know, there are some very worldly people in churches, not this one, of course, but, in, in, you know, more worldly than people out in the world. So going to church, praying, reading your Bible, giving, friends, does not mean repentance. That means religion. The Pharisees did all of that and better. They did far better than us in terms of being religious, but they never repented. And they actually never made it into the kingdom of heaven, by the way. Number six, it's not an acknowledgement of God and truth. Listen to this one. People can do this and still live their own lives. James 2.19, you believe there's one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I know of people, seriously, today living ungodly, sinful lives. And at the same time, they are saying to me, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. My faith is important to me. I think, excuse me. Friends, Christianity is full of that. People living double lives, double standards, and they still come to church and raise their hands. Not Christian. They're not really born again. Now, sure, if someone's a new Christian and God's working through some issues in their lives, that's just a different story. I understand that. Don't judge them. Give them grace and time. But if years have gone by and people, like, I know of people who don't even come to church, live in godly lives and tell me, yep, I'm a Christian. My faith, I love Jesus. I think, wow, good luck when you stand before God. 
get to the crux of the issue here. Some of you are thinking, I'm doing all right so far. I'll get you yet. <laughs> the Lordship of Christ. See, a key area of repentance involves, true repentance involves four area, areas. Sin, attachments to the world. You're ticking them off. Yeah, I'm okay there. Attachment, yeah, I'm okay there. Allegiance is Satan. Yeah, I'm good there. Our rights or the Lordship of Christ. See, repentance is more than turning away from the world, sin, and the devil. It includes giving your whole life over to God. You're no longer living for yourself. You are now living 100% for God. Not my will, but yours be done. God has a steering wheel of your life. All your plans are surrendered to God. He can change them tomorrow. You've got a plan to go for an OE, and God says, no, you stop. You don't even argue, you just don't do it. Because he's got the steering wheel. He's in charge. He leads and directs your life. Why on earth do you think I go to Vietnam? Because God has got the steering wheel of my life. If he says go, I go. There's no argument. There's no debate. There's no question. Yeah, there's a bit of whinging, but there's no... <laughs> there's no saying no. So God says, oh, I'm calling you to Pakistan. Do I want to go? No. Do I go? Yes. Why? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. You do what he says. You go where he calls you. You follow where he leads. Whether you want to or not is not an issue at all. You obey and you do the will of God. Is it always easy to obey? No. Sometimes it's really hard. But that's when lordship is tested. Let's look at the rich young ruler for a few moments in Mark 10, 17 to 21. This is a fantastic young guy. It lives a fantastic life. You, you listen to this. You won't believe this guy. <clears throat> Mark 10, 17 says this. Now he was going out on the road one day, came running. One came running, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good. That is God. There's one. No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He answered and said, teacher, all these I've kept from the youth. This guy is exceptional, brilliant. I mean, lives a more godly life probably than anyone in this room. But Jesus wasn't finished. So Jesus then said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him, said, one thing you lack. Everyone say one thing. Mm -hmm. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. What's the issue here, friends? The issue here is the lordship of Christ. The rich young ruler had no problem forsaking sin, the world, and the devil. But Jesus required more than that. He wanted lordship. In his case... This man had a love of possessions. And God said, I want you to sell them all and give them away. The issue is lordship. Now, he may not ask you to do that. He may, but he may not ask you to do that. In fact, I was with uh, someone recently, and they were ministering somewhere, and they had this fantastic watch that, that they valued. It was a precious, precious watch. In the middle of worship, worth a fair bit of money, I think, God spoke to him and said, give your watch to that African pastor. And this guy said, God, no, God, no way. This is a, a family gift. I, I can't release it. God said, give it to the pastor. 
He couldn't do it. Went home, talked to his wife about it. And she said, not quite these words, you idiot. <laughs> it's just a watch. Do what the Lord says. Next time he went there, he gave the watch. See, it was an issue of lordship, friends. And this, this young guy is a great, loving, great living guy, but he obviously had a problem with money. Possessions. I think a lot more people have this problem than would like to admit it and like to answer to it. And so he kind of went away sad because he couldn't do it. See, lordship is <laughs> unconditional surrender to God. There's no arguments, no demands, no excuses, no reservation. Here I am, God. I submit. Tell me what to do. Tell me. What is it? I'm yours. And usually what you're told will come through your boss, by the way. <laughs> I'll throw that in for good measure. No, for those in authority over you. Yeah, they're, 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 they're God's appointed people. You know, and I have people over me. We all do. And you know, so God, God, God can speak through them. And that, that's when lordship, again, is tested. It's gone very quiet in heaven. <laughs> a person who has truly repented, I believe, will never fall away from God, never backslide, never become, back, 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 <laughs> never become lukewarm, and will never not actively serve God. They will always give generously. You know, it can be easier for us to live for God while, oh, my time's gone. <laughs> Musicians, please. No, I'm done. I'm done. Sorry, my time is gone. These guys are waiting for me down there. As the musicians come, I'll just say this. It's easy to live for God while everything's going well, while God is blessing. But what about when it gets tough? What about when there's marriage problems? What about when there's financial struggles? No job, there's sickness, your prayers are not answered. If Jesus is not Lord, people will then fall away from God. They're gonna think, God has let me down. They say, it doesn't pay to serve God. Where on earth did that ever come from? It doesn't pay to serve God. Excuse me, this man went to the cross. He shed his blood for your salvation. If it wasn't for him, you would burn in hell forever. Don't talk to me about it doesn't pay to serve God. That was never a part of the deal. I'm saved because I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And Jesus went to the cross. I'm born again. If he never did another good thing for me, what he's done is enough. And I'll thank him for all eternity. That is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is true repentance. It is the greatest word in Scripture. It's a key to a foundation in your life. And if you get this established in your life, friends, your walk with God will just be transformed, be more wonderful than ever before. And no matter if all hell comes against you, you will stand strong on Christ, the solid rock I stand. This is no sifting sand. Repentance is established in your life and my life. We can face the future with 100% confidence. God bless you. See you tonight. Make sure you come.